Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining me on the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. My name is Luke Staten. The reason behind this creation is to share words of wisdom, hope and optimism through conversation that can show us just what's possible in life. I've been truly inspired by the words I have not only listened to, but deeply heard from the people I've shared conversations with. I hope you enjoy hearing how everyday people overcome trials and tribulations and when faced with adversity, find a way to use this to their advantage. Common theme throughout, from all the different guests on the series, from wherever they are from, whatever beginning, whatever background, is they all have a desire for more from life. They all want to live a life of fulfillment. I hope you enjoy listening as much as I do creating. Thank you for joining me. The reason I brought tonight's guest on, Paul Cook, aka Cookie, is I met Cookie a couple of years ago um, in the local gym. And probably for about six to nine months, I just watched him and observed him, how he was with his clients, how he kind of uh, portrayed himself, how he behaved with people before I decided to invest in him and, and ask him to kind of support me and my health and well-being. And I was always blown away and full of admiration that every single person that walked into that gym, he would say hello to, then be back focused with his client who he'd be working with. And what I love to see is kind of the older generation, I guess the 65 and up, every single lady that was 65, every guy that walked in would walk up to him, give him a big hug, a big kiss and shake his hand. And it showed what a great warmth of character that he had. It was like this beacon of light when you walk in the gym and you don't fancy it, you would see Cookie and your energy would just increase just by seeing his presence. So I invested in Cookie to help me with my health and well-being. With being busy and traveling around a lot, my health wasn't where it wanted to be. And I found that by investing in Cookie as a trainer, I got way more than just the hour of fitness that I did with him. And tonight we're going to learn more about the man behind the personal trainer badge because that's what I buy into more than the exercises that we do, more than the repetitions that it makes me do. I buy into the person that's asking me to do it. And that's what's got me the health kick that um, I'm going to share with you guys tonight so you can learn from that too. So Paul Cook, ex-pro basketball player, um, been through many hardships, lots of adversity, lots of challenges. And I think many of us will be able to relate to his story. Not that we've all been professional athletes. However, we will all been through hardships. We will, we will have all been through adversity. And tonight, I think you're going to learn lots about how to overcome adversity, how to come through trials and tribulations, and how to keep getting up and how to keep moving forward. Um, Cookie, as I said, is now a personal trainer and a natural bodybuilding champion, um, which is incredible because when you look at him sat there now, you'd have no idea because he wears baggy t-shirts. Same reason I wear baggy t-shirts as well. I like <laughs> to show off the physique. So he wears baggy t-shirts, baggy clothes. Yet when you see that photograph that I posted, it's like, my word, what, how does that happen? <laughs> how do you get to that physical condition? And soon as I see that photograph, I think about discipline. I think about habits. I think about, I want to know what he does to stay on on track to look that good. So guys, let's give Paul Cook a big round of applause virtually and welcome him to the program. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's good to see everybody. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. How are you, how are you feeling, Cookie, about this tonight? I'm good. I'm excited. It's, uh, it's different. Um, it's like me and you had that conversation when we went into the first lockdown when you asked me to, to join in and do some um, group sessions on Zoom, and I was like, I don't even know what Zoom is. <laughs> so, I, you know, and I remember that it was, I think, just when we went into lockdown, we had a long conversation. And I think we both said, didn't we? We both said, we'll come out of this lockdown a lot better than we went when we going into it. And I think we both have. Um, yeah, so, no, I'm good. I'm excited. It, it's nice to give something back. And, you know, when you... you called me said oh let, let's talk about what you did and your life it kind of makes me feel <laughs> old <laughs> but you know it's like I can remember being on the flip side I can remember when I was a young kid going to basketball camps and and looking and, and seeing um I remember one camp I went to a guy called Silas Chung who was a, an England international being that kid 
sort of sat there, you know, looking to try and find, you know, how did you do it, Silas? How did you get to the level you got to? And uh, it was kind of nice to be on the other side of that now. I was, you know, the years have ticked by pretty quick. Very true. And I kind of, that, that starts me kind of my first question. I was thinking today when I was, I went for a walk, where would I like to start this? Because me and you talk a lot, where would I like to start? And where would I like it to go? So kind of my first question to you was when we, I bumped into you probably um, in March time, we was, we just about been found out about lockdown and we was, yeah. we was in the, near the local shops and you had some dumbbells and I was getting some flip chart paper and the queues yeah. for the shops was massive and people are buying the toilet rolls and buying loads of food, which is totally fine. And, and yeah. you're getting dumbbells and I'm getting <laughs> flip chart paper. And I remember okay. having a conversation with you and I said to you, you know, what's the plan? And your words to me straight away, you said, we've both been here before, haven't we? Um, so where I wanted yeah. to start, Cookie, you said to me, we, we, you've been here before and we've both been there before. What did you mean by that? And what was that example you was referring to? Well, I think, you know, if, if we both, as honest, when we got back to, you look back to being kids and you going into the sport you love and I going into the sport that I love. I don't think you ever really see past that point. You know, you probably thought you was going to be a, a footballer forever. I definitely thought I was going to play basketball forever. And even at that time when, you know, you think when your career comes to an end, you'd still be involved coaching and managing. And, and that was definitely the route that I was going to take. And I had all my coaching badges and everything was aligned to do that. And then when I got the injury, you know, that it just crumbled. It just all crumbled down and, I got in a situation where the person I was employed by through basketball to do coaching just completely sucked the love out of the game for me. And it, it, it completely changed my outlook and what I wanted to do going forward. And, and I had that real dark, empty time where I didn't know what I was going to do. So, you know, I've been there before and you learn from that and then you, you kind of just refocus and you kind of go back to the time where you kicked and changed and became dominant again. And you kind of try and relive through those moments of, you know, of dominance, if you like to, to keep on pushing forward and get past this sticking point again. And that's all I saw lockdown was just another sticking point. So when you go back to them moments in your basketball, when they was possibly the first and most earliest setbacks you'd ever had. Yeah. And so you've got this dream, you're a professional basketball player, the dream you've always had, your family yeah. coming to watch you, encouraging you, and then you yeah. get this career-ending career injury where you know it's over. How did yeah. you overcome that? What kind of, how did you do that? How did you come out of that? Uh, I, didn't, I didn't believe it was over straight away because, it, because of how much I loved doing it. It was, it was really, it's a, it a crazy, crazy time. And what I've learned a lot from that time, and I still apply what I learned then to situations I'm thrown into now. Because situations the same. If you're, doing basketball or your personal training, if you're playing football, if you're in an office job and, and things happen, you've you got to learn from it. And then you, you'll always be able to apply that again in a different situation. You know, it might seem like a dis different situation, but I don't really think they're all that different, you know, if you... Because I can remember when it happened and how it happened, I'm playing in the game and my teammate, I'll never forget it, he was out on the... On the he was wide and he shot a three-point shot. Now, that ball missed. And inherently, if a ball misses from a long range, it will rebound out long. So he takes a shot, he misses, ball comes out long. I catch the ball. And as I catch the ball, the opposition's coming in to get me. And as my foot hits the floor, this guy hits my knee. At the exact point of contact where my foot hits the floor, hits my knee, my knee's gone. And that's the injury that ended my career. But I, I tried to fight back to get through that point. Um, and in trying to get back and being told that I probably would, I got back, rehabs, went back, played a couple of games and it went again. And I remember it went again and again. And the last time, the last game I ever played at that kind of level, the ball tipped off and I was playing against a team from, from the States. And the ball came to me straight away, tip off and I went left and my knee just blew out straight away. And I hit that floor and I knew it was done. I just knew I was done. And, um, and, and from that point, it was a real struggle. It was a real struggle. Yeah. But I learned a lot about myself from that journey 
forward. And I always call back on those times, the hard times, because you've been there, you've played in the Champions League and I've played in the BBL and you feel like you're flying high all the time. But those aren't really the times that define you. It's the, the climb up the mountain that's the, the ones that define you. I find that really interesting, Cookie. So you said that you learned a lot about yourself in them times. What, mm. what did you learn about yourself in the moments? I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm stubborn and I'll keep pushing to try and come back um, but there's been so many times throughout my basketball career where I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and I can remember the first injury that I ever had I think I was about 18 years old and um, it was a time in my career I was a young, young kid and, and I just got to the point where I could dunk like I could slam dunk a basketball and I was in a game and I came straight down the middle and I rose up to, to dunk on this guy and as I jumped he pushed my hips as soon as he's pushed my hips I've landed on my arm and I broke my wrist and I looked up wrist is completely not how it should look and I can remember being in pop and I can remember being on the bench in a in a local league game helping coach a local league team and the team I'm just sat on the bench helping and then they're, they're losing going into the fourth quarter and I had my arm in pop and I can remember looking at a guy next me and I was like what size shoes are you he's like I'm a nine I'm like well I'm a ten I'm getting them give me your shorts I'm going in I'm going in I'm playing I'm gonna play and everybody looked at me was like you can't you got a pot on your arm dude what are you doing <laughs> but I would have got in that game with a pot on my arm to play <laughs> so the love was there where did the love oh, for the sport where did it come definitely. from the love for the sport cookie well my dad always thought I was gonna play football and being from Liverpool, my dad, big, big Liverpool fan, always thought I was going to play football. So I'm pretty good at football. Um, and I can remember, it must have been mid-80s, that they played the NBA Finals in, on terrestrial TV in England. And that never really came on. It was a Boston Celtics against the LA Lakers. And it would have been Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, but I didn't know who they were at the time. I remember watching it and thinking, Dad, this is awesome. This is, this is insane. So I, my mum bought me a basketball um, and I used to go down to the local park and they just put a rim up. And I just started playing and playing and playing and just watching and watching. And it's not like now, you know, if, you, if you're trying to learn that the information is so readily available. Back in those days, it wasn't. And certainly a minority sport in this country like basketball wasn't either. Um, but I just loved it. I just loved it and my focus changed to that. Um, and just from there, just kept on going, kept on pushing. Made friends with a guy who came across from Scotland, a guy called Joshua Tacky, who's now the head coach of the Glasgow University. And that guy, he's only five foot ten. I've never seen a player like it. And still to this day, never seen a player in this country as good as him. That guy was a different level. That guy was driven and determined on a whole different level. And yeah. I just learned a lot from him. And when you talk about these people that you've met along the way, Cookie, and you know, me and you spoke a lot about role models and people that have inspired us. When you go back to your childhood, coming through the ranks as a sportsman, as a young man growing up, who was yeah. the people you looked to? Who, who did you admire in life? You know, family, friends, sporting stars. Who were your role models? Um, biggest role model is my dad, without question. Biggest role model. Um, and there's Michael Jordan who just is the epitome of everything that's amazing in sports um, Kobe Bryant Kobe Bryant same age as me unfortunately he passed away at the start of the year um, but I followed his career very closely growing up being the same age um, Magic Johnson Larry Bird um, Shaquille O'Neal and those kind of guys but then as I got into the sport I started watching it then I started to go and watch the teams in this league in, in, in England. And being from where we was, we used to go to Sheffield Arena and watch the Sheffield Sharks. So I was going to Sheffield way before I ever got there as a player. And I remember being in the Sheffield Arena, sitting in the cheap seats at the back with all my friends and just like, oh, it would be cool to play there. And we actually played in that arena um, when we were 16 as part of a um, three-on-three tournament that we got to the finals of. Um, wow yeah yeah that's cool and then Very from there special. kind of kind of saw a lot of the players and then when I first got there with the players and the team was just like I was so awestruck 
like just so awestruck. And I think a lot of people kind of see you as this confident athlete, but um, I can remember going to get to the first team practice at Sheffield and I got into it at a team sports camp. So when Sheffield would play at home in the morning, they'd have a team sports camp. They'd invite a lot of kids to go down there and play. And I went down there and very quickly got on Chris Finch's radar. Now, Chris Finch at the time was a head coach. Chris Finch now is assistant coach in the NBA, and he's been assistant coach for Houston Rockets, Denver Nuggets, and he's now at the New Orleans Pelicans. And he very quickly from there shifted me in to the development team. And he said, you know, I want you to go to the development team. Now, Chris Finch at the time, he'd just finished playing and he was coached from Sheffield. Um, so he became a big kind of role model for me because he just took care of all the really tiny details. And the bigger picture was built by all these tiny little building blocks that he'd put in place for me. And he always got me to think about things from a different kind of perspective. Um, so he, he's a big, big idol for me. And I can remember turning up. Um, see, my dad used to get all the phone calls because back then, you know, mobile phones definitely not what they are now. My dad used to take all the phone calls and I'd get home from training. Oh, Chris Finch has called or, you know, this coach has called, won't you come down and play? And I can remember turning up to, um, we trained at the Concord Centre. And, you know, it's funny because, we, and I tell you this a lot, just because I'm good at basketball, just because I'm good at lifting weights, PT and all that, not that good at everything, you know. So I used to travel to Sheffield, could not find the Concord Centre. I spent the first three months at Sharks, I used to park at, Meadow Hall, get taxis. <laughs> every, every day. Every day, because I knew I wasn't going to get there. Sheffield, for me, was like, I come from a little country village town. and But Sheffield, for me, was just like, my God. I'm, I, no, I'm not got a taxi. Get a taxi and from Meadow Hall. Oh, every day. Yeah, every day. £3.50. £3.50 each way. And I remember turning up, and then one of my biggest idols that ended up um, being there was a guy called Ian McKinney, who played for Sharks. He also played for England as well. And Ian McKinney was just sensational. And it was pretty quick. I found out why he was sensational too. So I turned up. I used to travel two and a half hours to training and two and a half hours home. So I had a job at the time. And I used to work five in the morning at my job. Finish at two. Now, this was working in a printer's. Quite local. So at two o'clock, I'd get in my car, drive to Sheffield for training. And I used to get there as early as I could. And... And I always used to think I was the first one there. So I turned up young kid, just completely unaware of what's going to be happening. Walks in, they said, oh, you you go down to the training facility. So I get there and Ian McKinney's in there shooting, 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 just hitting shots, working on his game so like, tirelessly just to perfect his game. And I walked in and I just said, oh, I'm, you know, I'm Paul. And he said, oh, I'm Ian McKinney. And I'm like, well, I come and watch you every week, so I know who you are. And he said to me, young fella, you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm a bit nervous. He said, believe me though, you're here for a reason. You know, we're the best team in the country, you're here for a reason. So I walked to get changed. And I know why he asked me exactly how it was, because you know when you get, you ever broke out in a, a nervous rash? My <laughs> God, I get in the change rooms, puts my kit on, and I go to the toilet, and I look in the mirror, I'm bright red. Like, like I am bright red. In, and I'm like, oh my God. And I went out there, walked straight onto the, the gym floor, and they all, these other players start turning up. So I go in, and they're like, oh, we're going to play one on one to warm up. I'm like, oh my God. You know, and you just feel so out of your depth. And a England international player from the time called Michael Payne. And Mike Payne was like six foot seven, big guy. I've got to play Mike Payne to nine with a rash, nervous as hell. And um, I whipped him nine, six, straight away, straight away. And he was just a humble guy, but I knew straight away then that I belonged there, straight away. Yeah. So, uh, and then the next time I get to practice, I walk into the, the gym and I think I'm the first one there. So I walk in, start shooting, and then there's some double doors near the court. The doors open. Ian McKinney comes out of the weight room in a full sweat. You know, he'd been there like an hour and a half training. And he came out in a full sweat. And I was like, straight away, this is why this guy's one of the best in the country. He's not yeah. the best by luck. He's not the best by chance. 
you know, he's working on his craft. Yeah. And even I today, think... if I go to Sheffield, I, st I still bump into him now and again, and the guy's still in shape. The guy is just, yeah. that work ethic's inbred, so the, it, the guy's a fantastic guy. And I think there's so much to be said from, you know, often when I listen to people talking about a specific industry or subject, I think sometimes people, there's no, they have a disconnect because they think, well, that's about being a sportsman. That's about Cookie being a basketball player. It's not, this is about being elite in, in any walk of life. And, and I think that we can learn so much, not just from sports people, but if we're in business or we're looking to get somewhere in our career, when you start to hear these things, you're like, there's a common theme running through all these people that we meet that do well. And it's a relentless work ethic. It's an obsession to be the best in life, not just at what they do, but be the best person they can strive to be the best at everything. Um, and, it, and it takes me on to that one of the early questions I asked you many months ago, I, I said to you, would you like to come on to, you know, come and listen to some of the talks and things that I do? And you said, yes, I'd love to. You said, because once Chris Finch, a basketball coach, you mentioned him earlier. Yeah, yeah. You, you was having, he was having some issues with a, um, with your shooting, wasn't you? And yeah, this absolutely. for me, guys, this, this for me, when, when Cookie told me this story, Just um, as well. So I'm shooting, and I'm I'm just thinking about you know my height on my shot, where my elbow lies. Because when when we was growing up, it was all about the mechanics, power through your legs. And I'm I'm trying to tirelessly work on it, work on it, work on it. And he came over and he said, "Listen, look at your right toe." And he said, "Just move your right toe that much that way." That's all he said. Now, I'm expecting him to give me this big breakdown of mechanics and how you should shoot the basketball and, and everything like that. But you know, I'm, I'm a team sports. I'm, I'm a good player. I, I should know how to shoot the ball. So most of my mechanics were already there. Move your big toe that much that way. My God. I move my toe. Swish, swish, swish. Wow. Like I can't miss. Like I just can't miss. And he just said, listen, you move that big toe and every single thing else in your body realigns to the top. Yeah. It's amazing. The best piece of advice ever had. And this guy is top level, NBA assistant coach. So, yeah. It's like that little calibration. It's like the golfer that moves his club face a millimetre will change the projector yeah. of the ball. And I think, I think all of us sat here that by making the little changes in life can lead to the big success down the road just by making little tweaks rather than looking for the big thing all the time. Um, so fast forward, Cookie, now you sat here as a, a real successful personal trainer, natural, natural bodybuilder. So when you, you realized the basketball was over, yeah. where did the personal trainer dream come from? and Where did the natural bodybuilding come from? Um, I can remember going for a really rough time after basketball because I realized all I could ever envision myself doing. So I move home and I start going to the gym. And at the time, my big brother, he was friends with one of the doorman local. And I walked in and I, and I just is still always seen as a little brother to a lot of people. So this guy, Nigel, big guy, really big guy. I walk in the gym and he's like, you all come and train with me. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll come train me. He said, I'll tell you now, and nobody keeps training with me. I've trained that hard, people never stay training with me. I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing nothing. I'm doing nothing else at the minute. You know, I'll just come and train every day. So I used to turn up every day. I can remember getting in my car after one session, couldn't even blow my nose. My, I, he killed me. <laughs> couldn't even move my ass to turn my steering wheel. And he used to, every day, that guy used to kill me. And all of a sudden, it filled, it filled a void that basketball had left behind, something to focus on. Because I was going nowhere pretty quick, because every penny I ever made, and not a lot of people know this, every penny I ever made through sport, I, I just blew it. I just blew the whole thing. See, people look at me now as what I am and how disciplined and, and good at things that I am. At that particular time, after sports, I wasn't. Because, to be honest... Sports never really made me the rounded person that I am today. 
it was yeah. the failures. It's the failures and, and the heartbreak and that made me the person I am. Um, because that, that, that time you're rolling, you know, you, you're training a few hours a day and you, you think everything's good. And you actually think you're probably a little bit more of a rounded person than you really are. But you're not life ready. You're not life ready. Could you, you turn up? I used to get my boots given to me. I used to get my car given to me. I used to get my shorts given to me. It's like I never really went out and did anything for myself. Yeah. And uh, so, so then I'm starting to learn. Now, you're on your own now. You're on your own. Then nobody's going to help you. You're on your own. So Nigel helping me start to train started to give me that focus on on what I needed to do, and, and I just started to enjoy it. I just started to yeah. enjoy it. But what, what became apparent very quickly was that just because I worked hard at basketball, it, this is what I do now. It's more, it's more involved. It's the eating, the, the fluid intake, the stretching, the recovery, the sleep, and all the different things. So it's a lot more involved than what I was doing before as an athlete because when you're an athlete like you know yourself, you, you're training for performance. Now I'm training for aesthetics and how I look and present myself on the stage in front of a in front of a group of judges like critiquing my physique so um the side of the food which which i find really easy now but again <laughs> that when you speak to me you go oh do you like bad food not like, nah, i don't like bad food now there was a time <laughs> there was a time yeah. and i can remember and i haven't told you this even this is a this is a funny story um injured athlete i'm i'm home i go shopping never been shopping myself never been to a supermarket shopping I go to the supermarket and this, and I'd sit up there and I must have looked like I know the hell I was doing. The lady at the checkout looked at me and took pity on me and went, would you like me to pack your bags for you, young man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I need you to pack my bags. Honestly, she packed all my shopping in these bags because I didn't know. And I was going to the gym <laughs> then with Nigel and then I was training hard, but I wasn't really seeing any results. And I remember looking at myself thinking, I go to the gym every day. Mm. And I don't look like I go to the gym every day. So what, why? why? Why don't I? Because there's people who are. So I needed to find out. And then I started getting deep involved, really enjoying my training, enjoying my food, and starting to see results. And I was enjoying it that much. It's, it's a lot, it's what I spent a lot of my time doing. And I thought, you know what? I, I could do this as a job. I could do this as a job. And then one of my friends was a personal trainer. And I said to him, Neil, I said, I want you to be a personal trainer. And he said, listen, if you're going to do it, you have to live it. You have to live this job because there's so many people fall by the wayside because they, they feel like they want to do something. And it's all well and good being here and thinking I want to be there. But if you don't have a map to get from there to there, you're going to fall apart pretty quick. So if you're going to do it, have a plan and, you know, and live the job. Yeah. And then I started to do that. And I can remember just being at a gym and then I got asked if I could, if I'd work there. Um, so I started to work there. They, they paid for more of my education through fitness instructors and personal trainers to get to that point. I never really thought about competing that much. And then um, the boss at the gym just said, yo, you should think about competing because, you know, you're in that kind of shape. But I think what set me apart from everybody else that walked into that gym, I was the only person not taking enhancers, not taking steroids. Yeah. Because I was the only person not doing it. Um, so I was probably the smallest guy in that gym, um, probably the best shape, but definitely not the biggest, but the smallest guy there. And they had bodybuilding champions there from being enhanced. And, um, yeah, just that, that side of it never appealed mm. to me. Um, just being, cause I like to say to you now, my health is my premium. If I look yeah. good as a byproduct of that, then that's fantastic. But my health's my premium. And yeah. just from there, just, yeah, set myself for goal and what do I need to do to get to that goal and that's what I'm interested in Cookie I, I want us to get specific right now because I, I, I can I, I know from knowing you of how I've taken so much from you in terms of the discipline that you've got the habits that you've created and how you've just created this way of living to get you to where what you want to go and I know there's lots of people on here me included that we've started a regime we've stopped a regime we've started a regime we've stopped it we've We've been on a great eating plan. Then we've had one bad meal on Tuesday and it starts again the following Monday. Or, yeah. you know, we feel tired today, so we're not going to do the workout. Or we've got to study, but we can't be bothered. We watch Netflix too. Now, we all do that. Now, what impresses me so much about yourself is that that's when I probably say to you, do you ever eat bad food cookie? Just hoping for a, 
yeah, I do, Luke, it's okay. And you're like, well, no, it's just become your way of living. So for us sat here now, what kind of ways would you suggest for us to get started? If we're sat here and we're going, do you know what? We want to improve our health because I agree health is the premium, not aesthetics. It's the health first. How do you get started and how do you keep going when you actually can't be bothered and you don't want to do it? What's the trigger for you? Well, I think what, what most people's problems are straight away is, is nowadays, especially with social media, there's a portrayal of an image that they would like you, that you feel like you should look like, okay? And believe me, guys, and I know a lot of people in the industry, when you look at these motivational things on your phones, on your tablets, whatever you do, those people are not a true representation of what they are. You know, nobody looks like that all the time. So you go on to there and you think, right, that's how I want to look. Okay, that's how I want to look. And yeah, of course you would because these guys look in great shape. Believe me now, 90% of the people on social media have taken an enhancement in some way. Now, even girls as well. The girls on Instagram, equally as good as the guys. So right in front of you there, you've got this image of what you feel like you want to look like, okay? Or what you want to achieve or what you want to become. doesn't necessarily have to be you know, body, but it could be a job or anything else out there. And it's right there and it's glaring you in the face like the top level of success but you need to make sure that all these other steps on that ladder to get to that point are thought about. Because very quickly, if you start doing it, like let's take the health industry, for example, and, and getting in shape, you know, if you're not seeing results quick, you're going to lose interest pretty quick. And you, know, you, don't, you don't need to look like these people. Believe me, you don't. Because I, I have a lot of people come up to me in gyms. Um, I remember the last show that I did, a young guy called Daniel came up to me and I'd, I'd been up, um, 4.30 in the morning, did my morning cardio, got to the gym, and I'm having my breakfast, and I'm in the change room, took my shirt off, and he's next to me, this guy, Daniel's like, oh my God, I want to look like you. I'm like, why? Because I want, I want abs like that. I want, I want the stomach like you've got right there. And I said, well, dude, listen, to do this, you have to do everything I'm doing, and I listed off the hour and a half increments of eating and nutrition and everything, every hour and a half, and the two trainings a day. And he went, I don't want to do that. You don't want to do that. It's not your goal. That's not your goal. Yeah. Mm. Put health as your premium. Set yourself little targets. You don't have to work out seven days a week. Work out three days a week. And then if you can and it fits around your life, work four days a week. You know, start to eat well. Don't eat clean seven days a week. You know, eat clean Monday, Tuesday, have a little bit of something you want Wednesday and, and start to structure it so it's suitable for you. And that's the same if, if you're at college, if you're if you're studying. You need to set yourself out your times to revise. The same as me, the times I'm going to eat, the time you could revise, the time I'm going to stretch, the time you could go to the library or to any of these things. You have to plan it. You can't just think I'm going to go from point A to B there and not have a plan or a map. It's like somebody said to me once, it's like you saying, oh, I want to go to Australia. But if you haven't got a map of how to get there, you're never going to get there. Yeah. So if you just got to set yourself a little girl, break it down into bite-sized pieces and don't be caught about what he's doing or she's doing or what anybody else is doing. Because anybody at the top has, has, has worked really, really hard to get there. Um, yeah. So don't, don't be climbing a ladder and then pour your energy into it and then think, yeah, I'm on the wrong ladder. Make sure you, you, you've set yourself a path. So for me, I only think about me. Now, like when you said to me earlier, you'll never see me in a vest. You'll never see me in a baggy. You're always in baggy t-shirt, baggy clothes. So I've got nothing to prove to anybody else. The only people yeah. I need to prove it to are the judges on the stage when I decide to do a show. You know, nobody else really matters in, in terms of that for me. So yeah. if you're not doing it for yourself, then you're probably on the wrong ladder. So when you're planning, it's like, I know you've got a competition in May next year. So your training planning is kind of every four, is it four week, four week, four weeks or three weeks? Yeah, three to four weeks, three to four weeks increments building up to that, to the show. Yeah. So you go to the end goal and then you work back from that. Is that what you do in terms of that's yeah. May and then you work back? Do you do that yeah. with, so you've also got a really successful business. There's no doubt about it. You know, you you're somebody that's doing very well in terms of the amount of clients you've got, how many people you train and you're always in demand. You do no self-promotion, which we've talked about. Maybe it's yeah. time to do a little bit more to help more people because um, the skills that you've got and the character that you've got in the world needs to know about it. Yet you're very rarely on any social media yet. You know, you might be training between 35 and 50 people a week and you could probably yeah. double that if you 
if you didn't have two young children and wasn't such a committed dad, you could be training 60, 80 people. So when you look at the discipline of what you're showing your training, what's been your strategy as a business when you started your personal training to be where you are now, your own studio, an unlimited amount of clients, what's the ingredients do you feel that you've used to get to that level as a business too? It's just hard work. It, it really is. It's just understanding what you want to achieve and having the, like that mind's eye view of what you want it to look like and just mm-hmm. never stopping. Because I, I think really quickly, like, you know, on, um, when, the, when it locked down the first time, we locked down Friday and it was a Friday night. We, we knew it was locking down. Saturday morning, I was setting up the, the, the next studio. You, you've just got to keep pushing because very quickly, yeah, it, times are hard and it pull you down pretty quick. So just have a plan. Now, my plan always was to, when I was in the gym, uh, was to have my own studio. And it nearly happened a few times, but it, it just, things fell, didn't fell right in terms of the situations that I was in and, and premises that I wanted to buy. Um, so I waited for the right time and, and then, just you know, pretty much got pushed into this, which is, which was it's a blessing really. Um, yeah. But just, you know, and I always say, you've, you've just got to look after people. You just got people's best interests at heart, whatever you're doing. Um, and I should imagine she's on here somewhere. Sue Lockwood, it's Sue Lockwood's on. See, a lot of my clients don't know. They think they learn a lot from me, but I learn a lot from them. As a lady on here, Stu Lockwood, one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. People by people. That's what she told me when I first went to that gym and I met Sue Lockwood. People by people. If you're honest and you care about people, you'll be fine. You'll be fine if you work hard. Don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Because nowadays, especially again with social media, you're you're built to overthink things that, you think you, you need to do and you really don't it's yeah. very simple i do you know luke it's very simple what i do i just care about every that i train I everybody's best interests at heart and i just work hard and that's really you know i think the key to it is cookie the, the key to it is with yourself because you've got a clear authentic passion behind what you do and why you do it and you do you treat everybody with such respect and very real you can tell it's real you can't fake it for 10 pt sessions a day you know or eight you can't fake it for 10 years and some of your clients you've had for 10 years haven't you yeah <laughs> yeah yeah how the guy, the is that? This guy ever trained at the gym i still train him every week yeah. yeah so you can't fake it for 10 years so the authenticity shines through and people believe in you and i bet nobody's ever asked you for the qualifications or the certificates that you've got but they've just felt that energy yeah. that you've got to support them. Is Sue, is Sue here? Sue, if you're here, I know you probably didn't anticipate this. And I weren't, <laughs> sure, if, I weren't sure if anybody from Cookie's crew had joined. Are you here, Sue? I am. Hello, yes. lady. Let me see if I can find you, Sue. I'm trying to find you on the screen. I haven't got my picture on. Okay, so that's okay. Is, is your hair not done, Sue? I have that issue. But, you know, I just put a bit of shine on and I'm okay. <laughs> so, Sue, we can hear you anyway, Sue. So, um, he mentioned you there, you know, he's trained you for 10 years. What would you say? And I, not that I want you to kind of embarrass him now, but what is the ingredients? Because I know it's very difficult to talk about yourself. What ingredients do you feel that he's got that you've committed to him for so long? Well, I think um, he stood out right from the very beginning because he came to Gainsborough to work for DW Sports as an employed member of staff. And then after a little while, DW obviously pulled the plug and said you have to go self-employed. But going back to when he came, he was the one personal trainer in the gym who would, as you said, speak to everybody and say, hello, how are you? And all that kind of thing. So he stood out amongst everybody else doing that. And then when DW um, pulled the plug, and he either had to go and find another job somewhere else or become self-employed. That was a whole different ball game. But he got stuck in. And I know Cookie was in the gym from six o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night for a long, long time to build up the business. And as he said, it didn't come easily. You know, it was something that he worked at and he's still working at today. 
So yeah, what a cracker, what a little sweetie. Eh? I should have <laughs> words with him. Wasn't expected. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know this was happening. <laughs> oh, little monkey. But, but thank you, though. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to mute myself now. Okay, thank you, Sue. Where's Luke gone? But no, like Sue just said, when I first stepped foot in the gym, six in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, every single day, because um, it doesn't come easy. I just made sure that every single time that I walked in that gym, I was there before everybody else. And I was the last to leave. And I just made sure that I said hello to everybody and just spoke to every single person and just worked tirelessly at my craft. So yeah. when you see things now, it's like, a lot of people can get a lot of certificates and I've met a lot of trainers who have had certificates piled up this high. I've met trainers who have no certificates. Um, there's a guy called Dorian Yates, who was um, seven time Mr. Olympia. Um, he's not got a, one qualification. The guy seven time Mr. Olympia got his own gym. He doesn't need a certificate because he knows. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's put the time and dedication into it. So that means much more than a piece of paper will ever say. Piece of yeah. papers in our industry, if I'm honest, Luke, are just so you can step foot in these gyms and, and get yourself insured and, and different things. But you've got to tirelessly work at your craft. And self-development yeah. and continued self-development is definitely the key in anything that you do. Because if you don't continue to self-develop, you're going to get stagnant pretty quick. Yeah. So listening to Sue there, it must make you feel really proud hearing that from somebody that you've worked with so long. And, and I know you have this great relationship with your clients, you have this banter, oh, you have fun, but, yeah. but it's so nice to hear the things that you hear because, you know, you don't always know because as a culture, we don't always share that, do we? And my next no, question see, for you, you don't know that you, I, I'm going to get in trouble now because of you though, but now <laughs> me, me, and Sue, me and Sue are close. So me and Sue are close. Sue's, Sue is one of the most amazing people I've ever met. And it's a funny thing is like with a lot of my clients, they don't realize I learn as equally as much from them as, as they do from me. Um, and especially yeah. when, I had my, when, when, I, when I had Harry, I had my first boy. Um, a couple of my clients, there's another client very, very close to a guy called Clive. Clive, again, just a super, super special guy. I've got so much admiration for Clive. Um, I'm not sure if Clive's on that, but um, yeah, he, he told, he's taught me a lot. He yeah. doesn't know, but he's taught me a lot. And a lot of the guys who had kids was like, listen, when you have your kid, you know, make sure that you spend enough time with your kids, especially at the start. Um, yeah. And if you know, like, you know, if, if one person tells you something, it, it may or may not be true. If, if 50 people tell you something, then the chances are that's probably true. So you better listen. You know, don't put yourself up and above anybody else. And, and you know, always continue to try to learn lots and lots of different things about every single thing. Yeah, um, I love yeah, that. So that I, I, I love that because yeah, I think when you're as humble as you are, there's no doubt your success comes from listening, learning from everybody, children, adults, yeah. people you meet, people you know. And once we think we know, we know a lot, then that's when we're on that slippery slope and we start to get left behind. And my my yeah. next question, quick, I've got literally one more, or two more questions before I'm going to ask people if they'd like to, because I know there's people on here actually <coughs> that are personal trainers want to become PTs but also okay. it, but also in their careers they may be a bit stagnant they may don't have the desire for what they do like potentially you and some of the other people do for what they do and I certainly have a passion for what I do and I think that when you've got that you know you're in the right kind of life and when you haven't it must be really challenging too so my, my last two questions so number one um what are you most proud of for yourself kind of when you look at yourself in the mirror what are you most proud of about yourself cookie my kids my kids because i think they're a reflection of me yeah um yeah yeah okay amazing so. um well it's that and and my dad's as well and and from what he means to me and you know definitely my, my you know the most influential person in my life is him um so, uh, yeah, but I, I just know I work hard. I don't, I don't see myself, I just see myself as me, you know, and I always want to just keep learning and keep working hard. And I know that my dad is, my dad never, ever worries about me. Mm. Okay, to the point where anytime something bad happens, 
he always knows that I will be okay because he knows how hard I work and everything because he knows that I'm not just a basketball player, not just a personal trainer, not just a bodybuilding champion. There's got to be something there that drives that. So my work ethic comes from him. Yeah. And what, you know, for all of you guys listening, Cookie didn't just go through kind of the trials and tribulations of lockdown. Like all was, he also lost his dad um, yeah. through lockdown too, which not only I remember he's, he's trying to set up his studio because he had nowhere to work. And then he loses his dad at the same time. Then he's traveling to take care of his mom while he's got to keep that face of energy and optimism for everybody that rocks up that needs his energy. Um, and I know that was a real challenging time for you, obviously, through it is for most. But for you, we're having such a strong relationship with your dad and yeah. trying to set up a business and take care of mm. your two kids, you know, and concerns of income and all of that in one go. And, that's why I think it's so phenomenal that you sit there and share so well because over the last three, six months, you've been through so much and you've still got your 40, 50 clients a week rocking up yeah. and you've still given them your energy. You still yeah. give them your love. How do you do that? Because it's easy when it's easy. It's when it's not so easy, like you said earlier, that defines yeah. who you are. How do you do it? Um, I can remember... And this is one of the stories I've ever shared with you and what my dad taught me. I can remember being 17 years old, 17 years old playing basketball. I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty something too. So I'm in a game. Mum and dad are there watching. They're in the, the stands. And this is why I, I never talk about my dad in the past tense because for everything he's taught me, he's still very, very active in, in my life today. Um, we're at a game. We go into the fourth quarter. We're down. We're losing. First time mum and dad had come to watch me at a big game. So um, I just take over the game. Just take over the game in the fourth quarter and I just dominate the game. We win the game. I score 32 points. We win the game. So they're upstairs. So I shoot upstairs. I'm in my kit. I'm fully kitted up. Bang, go straight upstairs. Mum and dad are there. Dad says to me, you missed a couple of free throws. So I'm like, I just scored 32 points, won the game. So, being 17, I did not listen. I did not listen. So, he goes, listen, I'm proud of you. You played well, but, you know, you need to address it. You want to be a professional basketball player? You need to take care of the small details. And this has become a theme all the way through my life with everything I'm doing. Taking care of the small details, not the big flashy things, but the small things. So, I don't listen. Of course, I don't listen. 17. So, next game, I get on the bus. We travel to Coventry. Now, we're playing Coventry, um, and we're winning. And then one of our players gets injured, and then the Coventry start to come back into the game. And uh, <laughs> two minutes to go, I get fouled. Go to the free throw line, worth a point each. I miss them both. I miss both free throws, lose the game by one point. But I make them both, we win the game by one point. Miss them both, two minutes to go. So I'm devastated. I'm sat in that locker room. I feel like I've let my teammates down. Knew I should have listened to that straight away. Knew I should have listened. <laughs> so I get on the team bus. We go home. It's a late night game. I get home, get back to our facility. All the other guys go home. I go straight into the court and I just shoot free throws for hours on end. Hours on end, just shooting free throws tirelessly. This is not happening again. And it never did. It never, ever happened again. And I said to my dad, I said, you know, about what happened, he said, listen, if I'm going to criticize you, it will always be constructive. He yeah. goes, because then if you're in a negative situation, you could turn that perceived negative into a positive. And that was at 17, and now sitting here at 41, those words still ring from my ears. And when the gym went into lockdown, turn a negative into a positive. You know, work through... You know, I had to learn a lot through lockdown about how to do my job online and did that. We come out of lockdown, go back into the gym. We're there one week. Dad goes into the hospital on the Friday. The gym announced that they was going to be closing on the Tuesday where I was working. So they shut on the Tuesday. My dad passed away on the Sunday. Um, and then I had to then go in, get the studio ready. Looks like, say, look after mum, dad, my wife, my kids and get an income and, and do that. But I never stopped. I never took a never took a break, and you know I had to keep moving for everybody else's sake as well as my own. Mm. Um, 
yeah so it's that it's just turning negatives into positives and that's the biggest thing i could ever tell anybody you know if you, if you want it enough and you care about it enough and you can always turn a perceived negative into a positive and I think that's such a great outlook and that's why people like spending that hour with you because you're infectious with your energy and your optimism, even though the challenges that you went through, you still found it within you to still serve other people. And I truly ad admire that in yourself. And, you know, just lastly from me before I open it out, what I will say, guys, is, you know, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep to time. So it's nearly nine o'clock. And then when we end it, guys, I'll, I'll offer questions and anybody that wants to go and goes to bed. I know Gabby's usually in bed at half past eight. So we've got some extra time from Gabby K tonight. So she'll probably log off and go to bed. So feel free guys, when I say bye to everybody to go um, do what you want to do. And if you want to stay on me and Cookie will stay until quarter past nine and answer any questions that you, you know, you feel you'd like to ask that might be specific to you or the group. Just, just for me to you, Cookie, I just want to thank you for coming on and I really appreciate the time and really appreciate the time and energy and how you share such vulnerable things about yourself and your life yeah. to be able to help us learn from you. And I truly do mean it when I say I really admire the discipline that you put into your life, not just as a, a natural bodybuilder or as a personal trainer, but as a parent, as a partner, the effort, they always say how you do anything is how you do everything. And something about you is that whatever you do, you give it everything. And that's why I love being around you because that energy is infectious. So from me to you, I truly do admire the person that you've become through the trials and tribulations of what you've faced. And through lockdown, it just showed even more why I do admire you so much because what you went Thank through you, to continue you, moving forward how you did was just absolutely outstanding. So from me to you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast. I'd be really honored, grateful, and super appreciate any shares and subscribes possible. Please give this to any family, friends, and loved ones anywhere in the world that you feel could take value from what you've just heard too. Thank you so much for your support. I look forward to speaking to you real soon on the next episode. From me to you, have a wonderful day. Take care. All my love, energy, inspiration, Luke Staten.